Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we are back. We are mostly sober. Uh, we are back on track, and we are ready to keep recapping some teams. You ready to go? We'll do this one for the sponsors, because the uh, <laughs> the last one, we couldn't even do our home field read. They deserve so much better than that episode. They do. I, I will say I hardly recognized you without a bourbon in your hand. <laughs> Well, I am impressed that you recognize me without a mustache because that that has oh. changed for sure since I got back. Yes, I've shaved myself as well. So. <laughs> it's probably for the better. It is. I if yes, I'll leave that there. Actually, you know what? I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Mike, as mentioned, we uh, we we do tonight. We re- reconvene here to resume our team recap series. And coming off of your bachelor party and knowing that there's probably going to be all sorts of uh, references that somebody has to be not remotely ashamed to ask us more about, um, we had to bring on a very familiar guest, one, uh, probably our favorite guest since Cam isn't listening right now. Uh, Mr. Dan Rubin rejoins the show. Dan, welcome back. How you doing, brother? Hey, listen, I am not going to ask anything that happened with for for and with uh, out out in, in in Scottsdale other than what you guys shot on the golf course because that is <laughs> that is the most important thing at the end of the day. It is. I did all right. Mid 80s both rounds and then I shot a 90 on Sunday. We we're playing like 30 mile an hour winds though. Whew. So, I will I will just let that be. That was fine. <laughs> Yeah, I had to leave by then. I I left uh, about lunchtime on Sunday, but Thursday and Friday, uh, I sh- I broke a hundred both days. And my important qualifier is with with like minimal cheating, which is like the normal amount of cheating. So I, I think it was like a, a ninety eight ninety nine on Friday, and then like a ninety two on Saturday, or excuse me, Thursday and Friday. I was really happy with how I played the second day. Uh, that was yeah. that was good. Danny almost had a hole in one. He uh, wow. it's my white three. whale. That's my he, white whale. Uh, I'm having issues finding one myself. <laughs> I was going to make uh, a fish story reference there. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm a decent golfer, and I've never even come close. I watched Joey and my brother-in-law, Scott, almost hole out on literally back-to-back shots on this par three. I triple bogey. They both birdie. <laughs> um, and I, I, they will both say I am the golfer, three of us, and I uh, – had the worst score by far there, but I watched them. Uh, Joey's came real close. He hit one right behind the flag, and it kicked off the hill and rolled back. And Joey was kind of picking up his key, and Scott and I were both like, uh, "Joey, watch it, watch it, watch it!" Rolled right by the hole. He had like I don't know a foot and a half left. I mean, I'd have to be honest. I'd have probably three putted from there. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's happened. That was that was you know they were like, "God, you're gonna hit a birdie." I was like, "No, no, no we're gonna go for a bogey here." Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a yeah. foot and a half from the cup. Exactly. Yeah, this is a, this is a bogey right here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Dan. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to have you guys back and safe. And especially at these time of year, it's, it's good to have you guys back and safe and healthy and, and all that good stuff. I was going to say, we, we, we made it back. Yeah. Everyone lived barely. Yeah. Well, uh, we can say safe. I, I don't know about healthy, um, <laughs> but we'll go with, we'll go with safe. <laughs> I haven't seen my doctor since getting back. I'm sure he has questions for me, but anyways, <laughs> right. Dan, we, uh, we, we welcome you on here again. We're going to re- continue our, our team recap series here tonight. We want to talk about your Boston college Eagles, uh, the 2020 season one that I, I think I, I'll speak a little bit for Mike here, but Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, caught us a little yep. bit off guard. Uh, it did. Boston College, one of the teams in the, in the conference that we were the most wrong about going in, uh, a team that I, I was really personally expecting, you know, new coach, new quarterback, a coaching staff and a hire that, frankly, at the time, I didn't get. Uh, I, I thought it was a weird hire. You know, it was almost all a bunch of NFL guys. Like, is this going to work at the college level? You got a transfer quarterback that, you know, he, he had some some hype behind his name, but, like, how many times have we seen transfer quarterbacks that just don't work out? Shout out Tathan Martell. I, like, these things happened, and yet it, it all gelled fairly quickly for Boston College. I, I was amazed at how well it worked. I'm curious to see your perspective a little bit of like, you know, for the Boston college fan base and those surrounding the program. I mean, the level of success that they had in in 2020, like, did it, did it catch anybody else up there off guard or was it kind of more along the lines of kind of what they saw coming or what they thought was going to happen? Um, I don't think it, it necessarily caught people off guard, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think people it, it didn't it exceeded expectations, but at the same time didn't catch them off guard. Um, the one thing I will say about this team and and I remember uh, preseason last year was saying we didn't know what we didn't know what we didn't know. Uh, there was no spring practice. there was no training camp that was open. Uh, normally I'd go into the first game and I'd have seen two or three scrimmages and 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 had press conferences and seen the end of practice. we We didn't get to do that. Uh, they came back in June and we I mean it was all closed for for obvious reasons with with COVID-19 going on. And, and then the season started and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm excited to, to witness this team. I'm excited to watch them. And they came out and looked great against Duke. I mean, they, they look great defensively. They had a very stripped down offense, but was able to play very well in that stripped down offense to say, look, these are the plays that we like to run. Let's go run them. Um, ran the pass the ball rather really well and running that offense. And I think that was often running from there. I think as the year wore on this team, kind of garnered the right hype and, and and it was tempering some of the expectations, but it generated excitement because they were winning games and they were doing it exciting. And even when they were losing, they looked good, save for the one game against Virginia tech where they just mm-hmm. flat out could not stop Hendon hooker and couldn't do much of anything in that game. Easy, and I remember right, after easy. the game, and I remember after the game, even Jeff, Jeff Halfley was like, well, we, we couldn't stop a dual threat quarterback. And, and it became kind of a running theme with dual threat quarterbacks over the course of the year. But as the season wore on, this team just kept kept pushing the envelope and kept pushing forward. And at a time when, honestly, the sports scene in Boston was kind of non-existent in in September and October, the the Celtics were moving in the uh, in the bubble. But it, uh, but I know that like NBA had ended, the NHL had ended. Uh, the Patriots honestly were not generating the type of excitement that they normally would because they had taken such a step back this year. Uh, the Red Sox were over. Um, there was this massive void in the Boston sports scene. And while Boston College didn't necessarily rise to that level of, 
well, you're looking at Boston College on the same level of a Patriots or as a as a Red Sox or as a Celtics or as a Bruins. I can say that in October when they played at Clemson, it was the talk of the town and it was very much a, a national TV game that that had people excited. And same with Notre Dame and Notre Dame at home was was the red bandana game. And it was it. I, I guess not having the fans in the building might have actually helped generate the excitement because people just wanted more and wanted more and wanted more. Dan, uh, I will say this, you know, we make jokes about Jeff Halfley and Boston College not being able to stop a dual threat quarterback, but Bud Foster couldn't do that either. So that's OK. <laughs> it's all fine. Uh, we'll allow it. Um, Phil Dracovic, so transfers in from ND and like, what the hell, man? Like He was actually legitimately good right off the bat. It didn't really seem like there was much of a like waiting period right i think a lot of us i mean joey and i talked about this when we were previewing the season with bc like we were expecting Dracovic to like come in and obviously be a bit of an upgrade but we weren't sure really what he was i mean we didn't see much of him at nd you know you mentioned the fact that everything was kind of closed off you know when bc's football team reported back uh last fall so what were the expectations for Jerkovic relative to what he was able to produce in year one? I mean, it was really impressive for him to come in, no offseason, brand new system, brand new coach, and just kind of start firing on all cylinders right away. Well, and the irony of it all with him was that he didn't have a waiver for a while either. Like he was waiting right. to get that waiver to play. And, yeah. and again, it was as as we were waiting, it was that it was that building hype and that building rush. When's right. he going to get it? We want him to get it. There was that it was a social media push and it really it, it really generated a lot of, of energy around him. And then he finally got it and it was all right, you know, hit the ground. Bang, we're going to do this. And he, he stepped in and and just has the natural ability. He had speed. He had size he had a cannon for an arm fell in love with throwing to his tight end early found a way to get Zay flowers involved and then as the season wore on those those early season numbers he started to started to take a few hits um and and the hits kind of mounted after a little while i know he got dinged up against clemson and and as the season wore on the numbers kind of leveled off a bit as teams started to adjust too but it was very much uh, an upgrade for BC and, and very much a kind of what everyone wanted out of him. The irony of it all is that for a guy who threw 300 yards in four of his first five games, he did not actually have the highest yardage total on the season and wasn't even close to it. Last game of the season, he didn't play. He was, uh, he was like I said, he was dinged up over the course of the year. Um, and, and was taken out, I believe, against Louisville in favor of Dennis Grossell. Dennis Grossell threw for 520 yards in that last game against Virginia, and that was a guy who used to be a walk-on. So if that tells you what the offense can do under Frank Signetti, he was, he, you know, Dennis Grossell, probably the smartest football player I've ever had a conversation with. Coach on the sidelines is the perfect guy to work in that offense. Probably could have started over the course of the year if he if he needed to. Uh, but he comes into that last game against Virginia, throws 520 yards and four touchdowns um, in a loss. He did have the three interceptions. The only other person to throw 520 yards in a single game at BC was Doug Flutie. <laughs> he matched <laughs> Doug Flutie's total for the all-time record. Step and aside, so Matt Ryan. Dennis Grissel <laughs> here to save the day, baby. 
<laughs> so he, he gets to go down in, in history with Doug. Fl- and, and again, that's your quote unquote backup quarterback. So that should tell you everything that the offense was able to bring to the table when your quote unquote backup quarterback throws 520 yards in the last game of the season. Really a, a crazy offensive showing this year because it, so much of it felt like it just came down to Phil Dracovic extending plays and, and ultimately just hitting longer passes to guys like Zay Flowers and Hunter Long in particular. I mean, Mike and I had a joke, Dan, going through a lot of the year that basically was there's only two guys in this offense you have to cover. If you can cover Zay Flowers and you can ho- cover Hunter Long, I don't know what they're going to do. And yet, somehow, teams couldn't do that. <laughs> they, they couldn't cover those two guys at the same time. And next thing you know, Boston College is just running up the score on people. Uh, so that was really impressive, I, got, I, I think, to me. And then looking forward to 2020, again, there's only two guys you got to cover. Somehow, one of them's coming back. Like, Zay Flowers was like an all-ACC candidate. I mean, he was one of the better receivers in the country, I felt like. And he's a guy that's like, okay, well, he's going to go to the draft. Well, he can't yet. Like, he's not even eligible for it. He's a young guy. Uh, he, he's coming back. C.J. Lewis, Jalen Gill coming back. And then, I mean, you had mentioned, too, Kobe White from 2019. He missed the whole season injury-wise, I believe. He's coming back as well. I mean, this this receiving core and really the skill group in general surrounding Phil Dracovic sets up to be, I mean, the, the limitations are pretty endless here for Boston College, I think, going into 2021. Well, and that's and that's a credit to what Frank Signetti's done as the offensive coordinator. He he came in and he installed the offense that when he was the quarterbacks coach in Green Bay, and it was an offensive coordinator in in uh, St. Louis with the Rams, and and before that had worked, I believe, as the quarterbacks coach with the New York Giants, uh, with Eli Manning. He, he always managed to have an offense that was a more spread based pro style offense, and BC seamlessly transitioned. I mean, they got the right personnel in there too, where they were able to to get a guy like Jalen Gill to transfer in. And, and that fulfills a need that you didn't necessarily have. You had a guy like Jelani Galloway who had 15 catches, who who was able to blossom a little bit more. Uh, CJ Lewis who's a, just a big overpowering bully body over the top. Like you have a receiver that big in that size, he, he can just go up top and you just throw up, play pitch and catch. Uh, those are guys that excelled in this type of offense. They still have the experience from the older offense of being able to block and understand where they can go. Jalen Gill aside because he transferred in from Ohio State. But some of these other guys are able to complement what Zay Flowers can do. The one thing that BC is going to have to figure out is is how to replace Hunter Long. Um, it, I mean, you you hope that their tight ends that they have in-house are, are the guys that, that you have that lineage now where you had Tommy Sweeney. He went to the league. He graduated. He handed off the reins to eventually Hunter Long. Hunter Long, six foot five, 250 yard, 250 pound tight end. Same size, almost exactly same measurables as Gronkowski coming out of college. Whether or not you want to make that comparison, I understand it. It's kind of crazy to think of a guy having the same size, same hands, same speed, same untackle ability as Gronk. I'm not saying he's Gronk. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, use that hyperbole, but, or hyperbole, however I'm supposed to pronounce it. Um, but, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> hy- hyperbole. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a guy like that in, in long, but so how you replace that, you'll have help around him. And I think that's part of the thing that then you also have a full off season, you know, full spring getting fired up with, with Dracovic. You're getting the full, the full gamut of things that you didn't have last year allows you to extend that offense a little bit more. Dan, I want to ask about the defense real quick, because 
the signature of the Steve Adazio coached Boston College Eagles when they were kind of in the middle of his tenure was, okay, this is a top five defense and basically a bottom five offense. Like the offense was atrocious, couldn't really move the ball very well. It made the defenses work all that much more difficult and really all that more impressive that they were as good as they were for that stretch of time. They hire a defensively minded coach, right? In Jeff Halfley coming in as a defensive coordinator uh, from Ohio State, becoming the head coach. And I think what we expected is, okay, the defense isn't going to take much of a step back. Let's see what the offense ends up being. Well, the offense ends up going above and beyond, really being just kind of the surprising unit of the ACC, in my opinion. And the defense, I thought, was fine in year one, but the offense kind of stole the show. What should we make of the defense both this past year and then moving forward? Do you expect it to be a top five unit in the country again? Was that an aberration uh, under Steve Adazio? Like, what do you think is reasonable with this unit under Jeff Halfley as the head coach moving forward? So the, the thing that the thing I will say about the defense is that top five unit is now six years removed. So that was 2015 when that and, and everybody tends to look at that 2015 year because because of what happened when you had the top five offense and the and like you said, the bottom five uh, top five defense, bottom five offense rather. Now, over the course of of the remaining years uh, before Jeff Halfley came in, the team, I wouldn't necessarily like I know the the numbers did regress in terms of the defense, especially that last year um, and the offense did get progressively better. I mean, the numbers, I, I don't they weren't 130. I know that the numbers didn't necessarily help it in terms of looking at it and say, well, you're not a top five offense. But when you look at the way they played the game, they meshed that the, the older regime with Steve Adazio meshed things pretty well to get to to get to wins where you'd be able to say we're going to play good enough defense to get off the field when when we can and our offense is going to control the clock run power football and move the ball move the chains matriculate down the field like it was uh hank stram and super bowl three it's a lot old style power offense and then we'll get into the end zone when you own that clock and you own that time of possession <clears throat> the defense then comes back on the back end and says, all right, we we're supposed to be able to get off the field. I know the last couple of years, I believe the third down percentage wasn't that good. And that's where the changeover with Jeff Halfley really starts to take effect because they move into a little bit different style defense. Everything with Jeff Halfley is predicated on communication, working the unit together, working these, these different areas together. He was a secondary coach by nature in the NFL his defensive line coach, his, his linebackers coach, those guys have experience at the college level and at the pro level, whether they were players, where they were, where they coached with him, where they coached with him in the pros. On the, All those guys understand how the units are supposed to work together, which means if your defensive line can get havoc and cause pressure, your linebackers can make easy tackles. Your defensive backs can get easy breakups and interceptions. Your defensive backs covering makes it easier because the quarterback doesn't know where to go. That was something that was introduced this past year. When you look at some of the numbers and you look at some of the guys who excelled, you're seeing linebackers and you're seeing defensive backs get tackle numbers and interceptions and sacks just because they were able to do different things. That's all created by the scheme. And within that scheme under Tim Lukabu is the defensive coordinator under Jeff Halfley, who, who worked, who outright admitted he spent most of his time on the defensive end of the ball Azar Abdul-Rahim, who's the defensive backs coach, um, and Vince Ogabasi on the defensive line. Sean Duggan, a BC guy who, who worked with Coach Affley at Ohio State, 
and the linebackers, all those guys in that room working together. It was really impressive to watch. And how they're able to develop that, especially with the secondary, is going to be what kind of you look for moving forward. Mike, let's talk about home field apparel for a second. Yep. It is the Internet's leading producer, provider of officially licensed, comfortable, durable, great-looking vintage apparel coming from a lot of schools around the ACC. I love my home field apparel. How about you? I was going to say, as a guy who has purchased home field apparel and is a I like to consider myself a designee of the company, you know, mm-hmm. doing this podcast, right? I, I feel like we have earned that role at this point. You should not be buying your collegiate apparel from anywhere other than Homefield. I yep. mean, Homefield yep. is all over everywhere right now. We've been fortunate enough to get in with them, you know, middle of last fall, which was awesome, right in the middle of football season. They were pumping out, you know, their big new Saturday series and dropping all these new shirts and sweatshirts. Now they're dropping sweatpants for Yukon, which is hysterical. Joggers. I mean, they got joggers. I mean, they got clothes everywhere for a lot of schools. New schools are being dropped. It feels like every week um, they are going to take over the college apparel space. Um, they, they are un- doing unbelievable work. They're great people. It's awesome that we were able to get in and, and partner with them. They were real receptive. I mean, we had a we had a good talk with them on our initial kickoff call. It lasted like 25, 30 minutes. And just like that, we had a sponsor. Um, they were awesome. And it, it doesn't extend to just us and everything that you guys buy from Homefield Apparel with this promo code not only helps us, but it helps them. They're awesome people. We want to make sure they sell as much as they can and make as much money as they can because they've been so good to us. So, Joey, what promo code do they use to check out? Uh, that would be GoACC. Use that promo at checkout. That's right. Twenty percent off your first order. And by the way, Mike, I've I've found we keep saying that they use that promo code to get that deal on their first order. And you might be thinking, well, if I've got another order after that, then I'm just paying full price. Which, a yes, that's not a bad thing though. Really good, really good quality stuff. You're gonna want more after you make your first order. But right. second of all, you will get a notification asking for a review of the products that you uh, that you purchase and, and start wearing. And if you give mm-hmm. that review. I hear there's another little discount coming your way as well. So you get another promo code. It's, it's something that they, they uh, want to keep your business and you're going to want to keep giving it to them. Yeah, so do the promo code for us, right? So that we get credit and then do a promo code for yourself too so you get another nice little discount. So it's not just how can I help Joey and Mike make money today. It's how can I make sure that I'm not spending too much on this awesome new college apparel. And it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't gotten any of these you know clothing items yet from them, you're missing out. You, yep. you really yeah. are missing out. And like Joey said, most ACC schools are on there at this point. Um, most schools across the FBS are on there at this point. They're working really hard to make sure that all schools are represented. I know that's their goal. You know, for some schools, it's easier than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, cough, cough. Could tell you something about that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, go check out homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout. Like Joey mentioned, 20% off your first order. Yep, t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, crew necks, all sorts of things, and and as you joggers, like, even yeah, the occasional pair of doggers. Um, doggers. You know, those things are are all available there. So once again, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for twenty percent off your first order. Really appreciate their support. Really appreciate your support. Thanks to everybody. Dan, one of the things I've, I've found really interesting as well about this program here, just following year one under Jeff Halfley. Again, one of the things I was kind of skeptical about with him and this staff coming in was guys that had spent such a a high cumulative amount of time in the NFL. 
and then you come to the college game and like the the probably the most drastic you know big difference here is having to recruit these guys that didn't have to do that when you're coaching NFL defenses and such I mean the, you know at that point a GM just gives you players and you you kind of run with it more or less now you bring in a whole staff of guys that haven't really had to recruit all that much and all of a sudden in year one they pulled in a top 40 class nationally and number eight in the ACC which I mean that's not gonna that's not gonna set off fireworks you know in, in, in or anything like that but like relative to Boston College and kind of what they've done in recent years and and historically like that's a hell of a, of a first recruiting class for this staff. I mean, is that what is it that makes this staff that good at recruiting as a bunch of you know folks that haven't really done a ton of it in the past? Um, honestly, their their attitude and 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 it's it's something that needs to be experienced when you talk to the coaching staff. Um, Coach Halfley is it. yeah. Co- <laughs> Coach Halfley is a came in as a tremendous recruiter. I mean, he really was. He was he was a Broyles Award finalist. Um, he was a defensive coordinator of the year. He, he really does have a reputation of being a, a recruiter and a good, solid coach. Um, he, he is, he is even though he was at the NFL level for a while, he is the type of guy that you wanted to bring in for that reason. Um, his assistant coaches did a really good job adjusting to the Zoom era, not being able to have people on campus with the with the the freeze, with the NCAA recruiting freeze, being able the staff really did play a, a big role in it. The recruiting coordinators on campus. I remember we had a, a Zoom after the um, after the signing day when we were talking about the staff, and 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 he specifically singled out the the people who who put in the long hours, breaking down film and getting things ready for him, and, and those people, the video coordinators, the 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 personnel people, um, you know. Joe Sullivan's a name that I that I know he that, that, that comes up a lot in there um, as a as a guy who who does a lot of um, personnel look and, and lining things up and as a director of player personnel worked intricately with him. Um, the recruiting coordinator on campus, although like I said, no one was able to come on campus, still had to do a lot of work. Uh, Hannah Femia did a, a, a great job in terms of that in the back end, and, and these are all guys that. Uh, all people rather that when we had that press conference, Coach Halfley specifically came in and said, these are people who did a lot for me. And you're able to get a lot of those people in terms of of, of creating links and in, in getting Boston College out there. And then, like I said, there's a lot of excitement around the, around the program that I don't think has existed for a while. And you're seeing the BC brand start to play a role in, in people's decisions. And that comes from the coaching staff. They build the brand and they do it on the recruiting trail with what they've done on the field. Does he believe that this can be more than just a regional recruiting job? Because I know that the question, the question has always been about Boston college. Like how well can they recruit outside of Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, that area, the country, which, you know, I mean, New Jersey has some pretty good football, but I, I mean, I know we know, you know, in the Northeast, you know, there's good high school football. People are passionate about it, but you're not getting those top tier prospects from Massachusetts, from Connecticut, usually, right? Yeah. Um, it'll be a player or two generally. Um, so he believes this can be more than a regional recruiting job, though. Yes, and 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 I I kind of eat crow on my own on that because I used to say that BC, you knew what you were going to get in your recruiting class. The recruiting class doesn't yeah. change. And, we talked about it all the time. Yeah, and and I was like, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get smart kids who come in as freshmen, very raw athletes, diamonds in the rough. You refine them. You churn them out to the NFL. Don't get me wrong. You, as a program, 
Boston College has turned out a ton of NFL draft picks and a ton of guys, I mean, that have Justin Simmons just got franchised by the by the Broncos again and Chris Lindstrom first round pick, Luke Keekley dating back. Like you're 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 looking at guys that come out and, and are picked, Will Harris out in Detroit. Um, Matt Ryan's turned out pretty well for the Falcons in terms of, of fifteen odd years down there. Shut up, Matty um, Ice. <laughs> and you know you you've got you've got a number of guys that are that that have always turned out to be good pros whether or not they were first round picks third round picks aj Dillon had a monster game this year for the packers when he when he saw the field uh he he had that one game when he ran for 120 something yards so these are guys that have all done it now you look at those guys and you say well michigan wanted to make uh aj Dillon. i'm just pulling something out of my head here uh linebacker or a tight end based on his size i said no we'll make him a line a running back those are guys that bc used to get what's happened now is you're seeing guys transfers but big name recruits too that are coming into bc based on what the coaching staff is selling you have guys like Jaden lars woodbay from florida state he was recruited by special teams coordinator matt thurin at ohio state he transfers to boston college Luke Beckett, last year from California, was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. When the Pac-12 didn't think it was going to play, Luke Beckett wanted to transfer. He goes to Boston College. Phil Jerkovic didn't have the, the situation that he needed at Notre Dame. He was looking for a position. Boston College became the team. And when you start to move that into where they are with recruits, some of the names who came up, I, I, I remember I wrote about this after the, um, the signing day. Um, Casey Finney was one of BC's commits. He decommitted for Michigan and, and coach Halfley outright said, I don't know how many times that's been done. Um, Owen McGowan could have gone to Stanford, came to BC, drew Kendall offensive lineman, whose father played for BC could have gone anywhere. And he came to BC and it was, and it was one that was a big win for BC. So those are kids that are choosing to come to Boston college. Now there are always going to be kids. Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, that are always going to come to BC from New Jersey. They're always going to be the type of kid that comes here up to up to New England. They're also going to be the type of kid on the other side of the uh, other side of the coin that always want to leave. But what you do in between there to become competitive nationally is where you're seeing Boston College start to emerge. Dan, we, we wanted to talk and kind of look ahead at the, the 2021 schedule and the outlook and kind of how that all lays out. But before we do, I had one other question for you, and it's it's a bit of a an, an off-field kind of a stranger one maybe. And, and you're going to have to help me maybe a little bit here because I don't know if I necessarily have a, a hard question to ask. It's more just kind of a an odd situation surrounding Jeff Halfley in his position at Boston College. Um, he was hired uh, a little over a little over a year ago. I guess it was late, like December of 2019, uh, by Martin Jarmond, who was the athletic director there at the time. And within about six months, uh, Martin Jarmond leaves and goes and takes the AD role at UCLA, which understandable. I believe he he is a Southern California guy. I mean, that's one of the more premier, high budget athletic programs in the country. So that's understandable. But in in the time since, you know, Boston College hires a new athletic director. And knowing that there is kind of a, a bit of a dynamic, you know, where athletic directors are, are loyal to the coaches that they hire and coaches are hired or are loyal to the guys that hire them, um, not necessarily guys, guys and gals, whatever, you know, folks that hire them. Is there any the fact that Halfley was only there for like six months, you know, working for the person that hired him? Is there any sort of an odd or different dynamic with this athletic director that is now his boss uh, 
as compared to what would be expected with somebody who had just hired him and you know he's he's still only a year in under the person who who brought him in do you get what I'm saying here? Like, is that making any sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. And, and let me just let me just throw this out there for Martin, too, is that he had an opportunity to go to UCLA and be the first African-American athletic director in the program of Arthur Ashe and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jackie Robinson. And I think that, um, you know, for him, that opportunity and, and the ability to be a trailblazer he earned that, and you know, I I know I'm forever grateful for the the time that I was able to spend with him at BC and and have conversations with him, and or, or even just you know see a wave or or just see him with his family at a basketball game. I, I I always say that. So he, when you have the opportunity to go to UCLA, I don't care what athletic department you work for or where you are. That that's that's a serious place to go, and I, and I and and he deserved that spot in that trailblazing role. Like that was, that's awesome. And, and that's awesome. In his stead, Patrick Kraft comes from, from Temple out in Philadelphia. And he was a name that I actually got to know from, from some folks that I knew from the Philadelphia area or who had worked for Temple. And they all spoke really highly of him, both as a, a guy with digital media, they, as a guy who worked with classroom performance and, in the full bodied experience really cared about the student athlete experience and wanted to win it was highly competitive. And, and I think that fell in line with Boston college's values. And then not only did it fall in line with Boston college's values, but it illustrated, especially the last part commitment to win that, uh, that that fit in perfectly with Jeff Halfley. There, there has been a seamless transition. Um, I feel that it's because, you know, Halfley is a, is a committed coach and he wants to win and, he wants to do whatever it's going to take to win here at, at BC, uh, you know, within the within the framework of what they're what they're trying to do with the athletic department. And when you have that commitment and you have that shared values, uh, those shared values, I'm, I'm sure the first meeting was was a little awkward. But at the same time, after that, you see Pat Kraft at a, you know, mapped up at a practice or you see him, you know, on the on the sidelines. And I will say this, when the two of them met, when BC announced they weren't going to be uh, going to a bowl game this year they met and and they met with the media uh, side by side and they were one fist and there was there was no question that they were in line with the decision if behind the scenes they disagreed it certainly didn't come out and i don't think they ever disagreed about it based on just based on the way they're talking like you could tell based on body language and based on verbal incantation that they were just in in lockstep and i think that that is a fruitful relationship that I hope uh, produces more than a few banners for alumni stadium. (laughs) Boston college looking ahead to next year's schedule, Dan, we're looking for a team that can be the second fiddle to Clemson in the Atlantic, like the true second fiddle, because it's kind of been a rotating door there in the Atlantic for a while. I feel like Boston college is as well positioned as any team in the country. I'm sorry, in the country, I'm an idiot in the ACC, um, especially in the Atlantic division, obviously to step up and be that number two team. I mean, NC state uh, is another team that Joey and I were definitely caught by surprise with this past year with kind of how they performed. But Louisville seems to be taking a little bit of a step back Florida state. I think they still got a few years, you know, wake is just kind of down there hanging around well coached, but I think the talent is better at BC do you think it's reasonable to expect the Eagles being the second best team in the Atlantic? 
Um, well, I'll tell you what, on October 3rd, we might be talking about them as the best team in the Atlantic. You never know, right? Uh, isn't that what I always say to you guys? That I always say, like, you never know what's going to happen in October until you play the games in September, and you never know what's going to happen in November until you play the games in October. Right? But no, I, and I, I'll say this. Last year, when no one knew what was going on, um, you know, and, and everyone was excited, no one really wanted to say that they were overconfident or excited. No one wanted to get cocky. Uh, no one wanted to get cocky with their friends. And then, you know, I know I certainly didn't want to say that BC was going to win six, six to eight games. And then if they wound up winning three, I'd never hear the end of it. Um, so especially from two of my friends who who actively don't like BC. Um, so when we're talking about what they can do to be the second best team in the in the Atlantic division or what it's going to take, I think that we'll learn a lot in that first month. We'll see where Phil Dracovic is. We'll see where the offense is. We'll see how the defense moves forward. And then maybe they are from a preseason prediction. I don't want to get cocky, but at the same time, you know, I'm speaking with a little bit more confidence to say it's open. The door's open and somebody's going to have to challenge Clemson. Somebody's going to do it eventually. And, you know, maybe it is, maybe it is BC's turn to hit that second spot. And maybe it's BC's turn to challenge Clemson a little bit better than, than some of these other teams did, but we'll find out and we'll find out on October 2nd, um, especially down there again in death Valley. I, for, first of all, Dan, I, I look realizing what your job is and who you work for. I, I applaud the spirit of it's gotta be someone. Why not us? I, I, I love that. First of all, um, second of all, Damn, like they almost did it last year. Like, they, they, I mean, I remember, I distinctly remember during that game, I, I tweeted out, I think it was late in the second quarter, I was like, Clemson's going down today. They were going to lose. And, and it was like I, everything going into that game at that point, it was like, this is what happens when these superpowers lose a random game is there's a couple of ridiculous turnovers. Travis Etienne takes a, 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 a handoff at the two-yard line, fumbles it, and Boston College runs it all the way back for a score. Like, crap like that is exactly what happens to create these yeah. upsets. I, I was convinced. And I was convinced. And it was more than just Trevor Lawrence being out. I mean, that was obviously not good for Clemson, but they were making some serious mistakes that cause you to get upset quarterback or not. Say this, John Tessator, <laughs> MVP player of the year, and J- Joe Tessator on the air trying to like heck to stay professional when he, he did amazing. that, and then letting his guard down was probably my favorite my favorite play of the entire year. That was outstanding. You, you goddamn professional, you. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the man is a legend and a gentleman, and it was awesome. I mean, that that to me was worth its weight in gold. I agree. Mike, I think that's all I got for Dan. Anything else while we got him here? I think that's all I got, too. Dan, thanks for hanging with us tonight and allowing me to stumble through my questions, even though I'm sober. (laughs) (laughs) I have not had any alcohol, and I can't complete sentences. That makes one of us. That's where I'm at. I'm very tired. Listen, guys, we go we go back we go back a long way. It's always good to just talk football with you guys and catch up and and have a good time. And like I said, these this has been last year was a weird year on top of everything. So it's good to, like I said, it's good to see your faces and good. Oh, well, even though everyone's not going to see it, you know, good to good to see your faces through the the virtual world. And, and like I said, it's good to see you guys happy and safe and and all the and all the good wishes and good good stuff that we could send to everybody. I mean. It's been a uh, it's been a it's been a long year. So anytime I can meet and talk football, I'm uh, I'm always down for it. Absolutely. 
Well, yeah, Dan, thank you for joining us. As you can tell, we are in mid-season form right now because, of course, this is March. And, uh, you know, we, we're really thankful that you came on took the time to, to, to join us. You want to tell the people real quick where they can find your stuff? Uh, bceagles.com uh, under the teams page is Eagles Unlimited. We do a, a lot of great coverage of all the sports, uh, you know, and some of the sports that people don't necessarily – usually follow although baseball's been kind of kicked up uh, in a big way this spring for us uh but you know when you talk about other sports there's some great stuff there there's a national championship caliber skiing team sailing team faculty profiles i mean that's some some stuff that goes deep dive into some of the athletic programs and some of the kids that you know not everybody gets to always read about and and i think that that's um you know they they put in the time and the effort especially like i said this year on the backdrop of covid that you know they're able to compete and, and able to play and and able to do what they do, uh, you know, it's it's worth it's worth a read, and it's worth a it's worth a worth a shot to to see what these kids got. Absolutely, Dan, appreciate it, brother. Come back soon. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right, Mike. That was Dan Rubin. Uh, once again, you can find him at bceagles.com at bcdanrubin on Twitter. Uh, we are going to get out of here. We are going to come back and keep the off-season content coming, uh, Mike. We haven't really talked about what the next episode is could be more team recaps could be something else who's to say uh anyways y'all can find us in the meantime between now and then on twitter i'm at ftrs joey he's at mike mcdaniel vt together at bc podcast acc and once again go find dan rubin he's at bc dan rubin on twitter all one word uh all sorts of great boston college coverage there i feel like if if you don't follow anything remotely having to do with boston college and you want to find one account to just like keep you aware of like some of the goings on around the Boston College athletic department, go follow Dan. Highly recommend it. Dan, you do a great job. Keep keep it up. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And Mike, you want to tell me where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball coverage rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joe. We get a homefieldapparel.com. Use the mm-hmm. promo code GOACC at checkout. Get 20% off your first order. They got a lot of cool stuff. Do that. Do that. Definitely Same. do that. Uh, and, and by the way, you can tell that we're in midseason form because it took me until now to remember to tell them they can send us an email to the longest email address in demand, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Sort of nailed it. Yeah. Still still recovering. Midseason form, all that stuff. Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else? Water between now and our next podcast, except you have another bachelor party to go to. <laughs> pray for me t's and p's yeah twitter thoughts and prayers all of it um yeah somehow doing a second bachelor party within a a three weekend span uh this one for the guy who's going to be marrying my sister so all those jokes we were throwing at you a couple weeks ago are going to get thrown at me here this weekend so even more t's and p's for me please very good i will make sure to send some your way as well (laughs) and maggie is a saint for letting you go to two bachelor parties in three weekends bro you have no idea Never let her go, Joey. You have Never no idea. No idea. Yep. Yep. All right. That's it. That's all I got, I think. You good? Yep. Yep, I'm good. All right. Or for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Dan Rubin, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.